if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to the book of 1 John, chapter 3. We're going to be reading the end of that chapter, starting in verse 11 this morning. As we continue with this series about refocusing, and refocusing on things that are supposed to be important to us as the body of Christ. So 1 John, chapter 3 is where we'll be here in just a few moments. You know, as I look around as, at, at the world around me, and I kind of mentioned this in our prayer, in my prayer just a little while ago, as I, as I look around, you know, it's really easy, like I said, to be dismayed by all the things that happen in the world and the things that people say and, you know, people's um, strong desire to express their opinions in sometimes not so nice and friendly ways. Um, but, you know, as you begin to pay attention to the people around you and the way that they are communicating or the way that they're living their lives, what becomes clear after a while is the fact that so many people in our culture are increasingly love-starved, if you think about it, right? There's this, this love hunger that people, I think, are, are experiencing all around us, and sometimes we don't really pay attention to that. And it, it's, it's this, this noticeable hunger for real and true and genuine love that exists in our culture. And I'm not just talking about a romantic love, although that's probably true also. There probably are a lot of people looking for some romantic love around us, especially with Valentine's Day coming up. But I'm talking about the kind of love that creates these feelings of acceptance and belonging and security, right? The kind of love that makes a person feel like or, or know without a doubt that someone cares about them, that their life matters to someone else, you know? There are a lot of stories that we hear all the time where, where people just did not believe that their life mattered to anyone else and that, that led them to, to do things that you know, take their own lives or, or things like that. And so we see that kind of represented in the brokenness that we see in our world, right? This hunger and this desire for love. And, and I think that one of the reasons why there's this strong hunger uh, for, for, for love in our world today is because at the same time, there's also this ever-increasing presence of anger and hostility and bitterness in our world. It's like these two things are competing with each other. Right. And so we, we we feel like we live in this really hostile and angry world. And then in the middle of that, we find people who don't want to live in a world like that. Right. And even though they themselves might be guilty of promoting things like that or or spewing things like that. I think down deep inside where that comes from is this lack of love and acceptance in their own hearts. And it feeds into that fire of hostility. And I think, you know, just as well as I do what that looks like. Right. We go out in the world and we hear people and we see um, what they do and what they say and things like that. We, we encounter angry people sharing their opinions on social media without a filter, right? I mean, tell me you haven't seen something in the last seven days to prove that point. We see people debating and taking sides and then, and then condemning people who don't see things their way, right? That happens so prevalently in our culture today. And we live in this incredibly broken society but it's also sometimes just a really angry society, right? And so when you think about all this, you realize that it then presents this perfect opportunity for God's people to do something about that. And then this incredible challenge that's placed upon us, that if we see the world like that, what are we going to do about that? Right? And so there's this, this void here, and, and, and perhaps there's this calling that God is giving us that, that we need to be people who, who kind of counter 
that sense of anger and hatred and hostility in our culture, to, to fill in the voids that things like that leave behind in people's souls. You know, throughout the history of the church, ever since the beginning of, of, the, of the days of the church, when Jesus first initiated and started building the church, it was always Christ's intention that his people live in direct contrast to the surrounding culture. That was always his desire. It was never his desire that his people or the people that lived within the kingdom of God would just conform to the world, right? This is why Paul goes on to say in Romans 12 that we shouldn't be conformed to the world, but that we should be transformed by the work that Christ does inside of us. Because what it comes down to is that it was always Jesus' desire that his people would live in a countercultural way. Countercultural, that's a really important uh, concept for us to think about. You know, I think about the moment in, in Jesus' life and his teaching when he sat there on the side of the Mount of Olives and he had this teaching moment with his disciples, right? He gathered them all together. And in the Gospels, we see it titled as the, the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes in Matthew's Gospel. But you have this moment where Jesus, during his ministry, just kind of lays it all out there and says, if you're going to be my followers and if you're going to live in my kingdom and you're going to be a part of my church, my ecclesia, Here's the kind of life that I want you to live. This is the kind of person that I want you to be. And I, and I think about what Jesus taught in that sermon, right? Everything that he presented in that teaching was countercultural. It was in direct opposition to the way that the rest of the world in their day operated, right? In this, in this world that Jesus lived in that was built on ruthlessness and anger and violence and self-centeredness, Jesus then taught his followers to be the opposite of all those things, to be the contrast to all those things. Right? He, he, he said things like, it's going to be the meek and the poor and the hungry who are going to be the ones who inherit the earth and the kingdom of God. Right? He says that if someone abuses you, you shouldn't retaliate. What should you do? You should turn the other cheek. Right? He taught them that if somebody like the Roman soldiers came and they, they forced you to carry their stuff one mile, which, is, which was within their right to do in their culture, Jesus says, don't get mad and then curse them under your breath. Go with them two miles instead. If he comes to you and he wants to take your stuff from you because he has that power over you, give him the rest of your stuff also. Right? So Jesus said, go above and beyond. Right? Don't, don't react to people around you with the same amount of anger and violence and self-centeredness that the rest of the culture exhibits around you. That was totally countercultural. When Jesus says, I want you to love your enemies. I want you to love those who are your enemies, who, who mistreat you. I want you to pray for those who persecute you, right? I mean, that was unheard of in their culture. All of Jesus' teachings were designed to enable the people of God to live in contrast to the, to the society around them. That was his intention for the church. He wanted the church and the people of his kingdom to be a stark contrast, a difference, when it came to a, a, being compared to the ways of the world. And the reality is that the church hasn't always done a good job of that, has it? You and I have probably had experiences within the body of Christ, within churches in our lives, where we've encountered people not following that way of life that Jesus taught in, in Matthew's Gospel, in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Where, where Christians failed to be that counter-cultural contrast, that, that different to the ways of the world, right? I mean, think about that, and, and be honest with yourself for a moment. Have you ever 
encountered a church or, or even just an individual Christian who, who you thought of as just an angry person. Right? You're, you're probably thinking of someone in your mind, right? Or, or maybe a, a church or an individual Christian who you consider they're, they're, just, they're just mean or they're hostile or they're, they're uncaring or, or spiteful or even vengeful, right? And so I thought about someone like this. I saw this online the other day. I thought it was pretty funny and sent it to Aaron. Not that I think that anyone in our church resembles this woman because I don't think that every church has one, but I have been in some churches where that's been the reality, right? And maybe the majority of people were like that instead of just a few, right? So we, we think about people on a serious note who kind of live with that anger and hostility and that lack of caring for other people, a betrayal of all that Jesus taught, right? And when we encounter that, we think to ourselves, that's not how they're supposed to be. This is not the way that God's people are supposed to be, right? And, and I think that Jesus says the same thing when he looks at people like that. This is not how I wanted them to be. This is not how my people should be. This is my, my people are to be a people of love, right? My people are to be the difference. My people are to be countercultural. And that brings us to our message for today. As we are refocusing on the things that, that matter to us and we're talking about the things that God calls us to, to recommit ourselves to as members of the body of Christ, point number four is that we want to refocus this year on being people of love, both loved and loving people, right? And we get that from John's letter here, his epistle in 1 John chapter 3. So as we read, I want, to, I want you to direct your attention because I'm going to read this text this morning from the English Standard Version because I feel like it gives us this really clear presentation of what John is wanting to say. And if you don't have that in front of you and you want to see it you're on your, with your own eyes, I put it on the screen for you. I did extra work. I did extra work for you today. So you can enjoy it here or you can follow along in your own scripture. So let's go ahead and read 1 John chapter 3 and verses 11 through 24. It'll be three slides here. It says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whatever, whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Let's pray one more time. Lord God, we come to you again this morning, Father, and we just thank you so much for your word, Lord. We thank you for the clarity of it, the power of it, Lord God. We thank you for the calling that it places on our lives. But God, today, in this moment, as we 
focus ourselves on being people of love and, and learning what that means, I pray that these words that you inspired the Apostle John to write would become meaningful to us, Lord God, and that they would give us something that we could take from here and apply to our daily lives for the rest of the week. We love you, Lord. We want to commit ourselves to you, our hearts, our minds, our souls, Lord. We want you to just draw near to us in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as we look at this text this morning, the question that we have to begin with is, is what is the theme of this part of John's epistle? What, what point is he trying to make? And as you read these verses, you get this impression that John is, is calling these believers to remember the commandment to love each other. It's as basic as that. He says, here's all that I want you to do. When it comes down to it, I want you to just remember to love each other. I want you to live by this all-important commandment to love each other. Right? He says in verse 1 that, that this is the message that they had heard from the beginning. Okay, So what does he mean by that? Number one, he means that this message to love each other or this commandment that, that he had given to the church was something that kind of that was, the, uh, was involved in the beginning stages of his, his ministry with them, right? That and not only John, but all the other apostles, he said that as we began our ministry, one of the most important and fundamental things that we encourage you with or, or taught you by was, was this commandment to love each other, right? Before anything else, we, want to, we wanted to set that as the foundation. This is the commandment that we started our ministry with. But the second thing is kind of a, a reference back to the days of Jesus and all the teachings that Jesus taught as he lived and did his ministry here on earth. John says that if you think back to the very beginning days when Jesus was first calling his disciples to follow him and he was going from village to village and, and teaching and preaching, what was one of the most fundamental messages that Jesus preached? It was to love each other. Right? It was to be people of love. It was to receive the love of the Father and go out and love the world around you. And so John is saying, if you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember this, that one of the most fundamental things that you can do as a believer in Jesus is to always come back to this commandment to love each other. And then John says, let me tell you what I mean by that. What kind of love should you have for each other and what should that look like? In verse 12, he says, I don't want you to be like Cain, who killed his brother. If you uh, are familiar with that Old Testament story, you see the first murder that took place in the Bible, and, and Cain killed Abel, his brother, in a fit of rage and anger and violence, right? Cain was, was jealous, he was envious, because God had accepted Abel's offering and rejected his own. And so John says, don't be like Cain, who went and killed his brother. And we read that and we think, well, we don't ever feel tempted. We may sometimes feel tempted to do that, but we're never going to do that, right? And so what does John mean by that? We go back to, to Jesus' teachings. He says, you've heard it said that you shouldn't murder each other, but I say to you that if you hate your brother without cause, unjustly, you, you have hatred in your heart towards him, you're also guilty of murder. And so John says, don't be like Cain and live with hatred in your heart towards other people. Be free of that, right? Don't, don't destroy each other with your anger and your jealousy and your rage. In verse 14, he says that whoever does not love abides in death, right? And so John says, don't go about creating and promoting this culture of death around you and within the body of Christ by refusing to love each other. 
That's what happens when there's no love, right? When there's an absence of love, what begins to be bred is, is hostility and anger and bitterness towards each other, and that creates this culture of death and decay within relationships. And John says, don't allow that to be a part of the body of Christ, right? Because the world knows hatred, doesn't it? The world is very good at hatred, right? Hatred is just a part of the culture of our world. But hatred should never be a part of the culture of the body of Christ, right? The, the body of Christ should be known for its love, standing in direct opposition to the hatred of the world around us. We should be the contrast to that, right? And so John goes on in these scriptures and he tells them all these ways that they're supposed to, to, to refocus themselves on loving each other, to not be consumed by the things that the world is consumed by. The anger and the rage and the hatred and the bitterness and the unforgiveness, right? The lack of kindness and sympathy and, and caring for each other. God's people are supposed to be the opposite, the difference to the culture around them. You know, as I read this passage, I think about John. I think about how his whole life, really, from the day that he was called by Jesus to come and be one of his followers until the day that he died, literally, his whole life was built on this commandment to love. Like, he was known more than any other apostle as the disciple, the apostle who preached the message of love. There's a church historian by the name of Jerome who talks about the fact that, that when John was in his extreme old age, he lived in the city of Ephesus. And he couldn't walk to the church gatherings anymore, and so his disciples, his friends, would, would carry him to the church gatherings, and he, he got so, uh, so, so elderly, so incapable of speaking in the gatherings that he really wouldn't say much. He wouldn't preach anymore. He wouldn't teach the scriptures anymore. But without fail, Jerome says that every single time they gathered at the church, every single time, John would say nothing else but this. He would end every service by saying, little children, don't forget to love one another. And after a while, his disciples began to feel a little bit annoyed with that. Like, why do you keep telling us the same thing over and over and over again? And, and finally, it got to the point where they asked him, why do you tell us this? We, we know that we shouldn't forget to love each other. Why do you tell us this every single time? And John says, it's because this is the Lord's commandment. And if this is all you ever do, it is sufficient. And that's how John came to the end of his life. Did he believe that when it all came down to it, what mattered more than anything else, before you went out and, and preached the gospel and did all your ministry, you had to have love. That's what mattered more than anything else. And if you didn't have that, then nothing else was going to matter. He says, this is the Lord's commandment, and if it's all you ever do, it's sufficient. So don't forget to love each other. I think about John, I think about when he was first called as a disciple of Jesus. And, and, and in the Gospels, uh, John, especially in the Gospel of John, John doesn't refer to himself by name. Did you, did, you, did you know that? When you read the Gospel of John, anytime you see any story relating to John the Apostle, John doesn't call himself John. What does he call himself? The disciple whom Jesus loved. Right? I mean, his whole identity was built on the fact that he was loved by Jesus. That's all he wanted to be known by, the beloved disciple, the disciple who Jesus loved. That love that he had experienced from Jesus had so radically transformed him on the inside that he didn't care about being defined by anything else. All he wanted people to know was that he had been loved by Jesus. 
And for the rest of his life, as he continued his ministry, that's the message he declared. Yes, he taught theology and doctrine, and he preached the gospel, and he, he edified Christians, and he, he did all these incredible things for the ministry. But what it all came down to was this. He had been changed by Christ's love, and he wanted to preach a message of love until the day he died. And I wonder if the same is true for us. Right? You and I, if we belong to Jesus, think about this. We have been radically changed by Jesus' love, haven't we? Maybe you don't always feel like that's true because you don't feel like you're that close to Jesus. But think about the fact that God looked at you and you were a sinner and you didn't deserve any of his love or forgiveness or acceptance. And he looked past all that. He said, this is exactly why I sent Jesus to die for you. He said, I want you to be my child. I want you to be one of my disciples. I want you to be a part of my family here on earth. That is a radical display of love, right? Paul says that, that there's, this is the kind of love that, that God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We, we received this radical amount of love from Jesus. It's supposed to change us and then set us on this course that for the rest of our lives, we are identified by that love and we go out and preach that love to the people around us. See, when Jesus was there about to be crucified he had been arrested all the disciples had run off and and you see him on trial and you see peter out in the courtyard he's denying jesus three times right and and and, and christ will later restore him uh, from that moment but as, as jesus is hanging there on the cross in his final moments he looks down and who does he see standing at the foot of the cross he sees his mother mary but he also sees john right when everyone else had run away when everyone else had, had gone off and, and hidden somewhere or had denied him publicly or didn't want to be associated with him just yet, John was there. John decided to abide with Christ. Why? Because John had been so changed by that love from Jesus. That love that Christ had shown him transformed him. And he didn't want to be anything but committed to Jesus for the rest of his life. Do we think he always did that perfectly? Probably not. He was a sinful human being like all of us, right? But I think about John's life, and I think that's the kind of love that I want to be gripped by. I want to be so transformed by Jesus' love for me that I just can't help but be completely, radically committed to him. So when I think about being a person of love or people of love, I first begin with, I'm going to love Jesus more than anything else in the world. I want that to be true of me. But that's my identity. I, I love Jesus more than anything else in the world. Then secondly, an extension of that is that I love people the way that God loves people. That's the kind of life that I want to live by. You know, we love a lot of things in this world, don't we? If I say to you, I love my wife and I love tacos, those two things don't mean the same thing, do they? I don't love tacos most of the time the way that I love my wife, although I did find this that I thought I'm going to create this, Becca, I need this sign from my house over my door. As for me and my house, we will serve tacos also 24-7. Because I love tacos. We love Taco Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday in our house, right? But my love for tacos just kind of stops at an appreciation and a sort of an affection, maybe a mild obsession for them, right? And even if I say I would do anything for tacos, that doesn't literally mean that I'm going to do anything for tacos, right? But if I say I love my wife, that means I'm going to do anything for my wife, then that means I'm going to be compelled to action, right? 
It's going to be more than just, and she's over here probably thinking, that's right, come on, keep preaching that. I'm going to serve her, and I'm going to bless her, and I'm going to do things for her, and even if it means I'm going to make her some tacos to show her how much I love her, like I'm going to show her in action how much I love my wife, right? And we kind of take that and go beyond that with Jesus. But Jesus says, if you love me, don't just say you love me, show me, right? Do something. Later, they would say love without works or faith without works is dead, right? And so we have that faith in Jesus, that love for Jesus. It should, it should then compel us to, to serve Jesus and, and, and act a certain way and do things to demonstrate that love for Jesus. And then we go back to John's letter in, in chapter 3. He's talking about being people of love, right? And he says these words, don't just love in word and in talk, but in deed and in truth. Right. So, yes, you need to be people of love. You need to be countercultural and don't be like the world around you. That's just so full of hatred and anger and hostility. Be people of love, but also don't just be people who love the theory of love, the idea of love, but people who are willing to do what it takes to show your love to the world around you. And so my final questions for us today are these three. How are we going to be people of love this week? So as you think about what God calls us to and all that John says there in 1 John chapter 3, and he says that, you know, if you see your brother in need and you close your heart against him and you don't, you don't offer him anything to help him, how can you possibly say that you love the way that God tells you to love, right? And so question number one, how are we, how are you going to be people of love this week? What are you going to do to demonstrate to the world around you that you have been changed by the love of Jesus and you want to love the world the way that God loves the world? And then question number two, how will you let the love of Jesus upon you change you this week? Maybe that comes down, down to just spending more time in his presence and coming to know him and just experience that connection with him. Maybe it's about just kind of getting away and thinking about it and kind of reflecting on the fact that Jesus loves you. Maybe that needs to create this change in your perception of yourself or your view of, of your relationship with God. Maybe you feel a lot of shame and guilt and, and something is keeping you from the Lord. And maybe you need to be reminded that because Jesus loves you, he has accepted you and you can come directly to him anytime. And there's nothing, no amount of shame or guilt that should keep you away from Jesus. That's what his love is like. And then number three, who will you then go and show that love to? You're going to be changed by the love of Jesus who can God lay in, put in front of you and say, I want you to go, be, uh, go, go show love in action to that person this week? Maybe already God is already putting someone on your heart, in your mind, that he wants you to go and serve or be a blessing to. Love in action is what God calls us to do. That should characterize us as the people of God. Our love, our, our, our being people of God is not just about what we're not. Right? We're not hateful, we're not angry, we're not hostile to the world around us. It's also about what we are, right? what we choose to do, and how we live that out. And so let this kind of shape your commitment to Jesus this week as you seek to live out the love that he's shown you. Amen? Let's stand. We're going to get ready to close. Let me pray for us as we get ready for this final song. And I want to just invite you, either as I'm praying or as we sing, to think about what the Lord may be laying upon your heart and what he's calling you to do and how he's calling you to be transformed by that love. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for that incredible display of love and sending Jesus to die on the cross for us. 
to take upon himself the form of a human and, and humble himself and become a servant and be obedient to the point of death, Lord. We thank you for the death that he died that, is, that allows us to have life. Lord, we pray that our whole lives would be shaped by love, that you would help us as a church to be people of love, Lord, in every single way that we can think. In Jesus' name we pray.